Story seven of Lucy Maud Montgomery Short Stories, nineteen o seven to nineteen o eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lucy Maud Montgomery Short Stories, nineteen o seven to nineteen o eight, by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Story seven, by the rule of contrary. Look here, Burton said old john ellis in an ominous tone of voice i want to know if what that old busybody of a mary keen came here to-day gossiping about is true if it is well i've something to say about the matter have you been courting that niece of susan oliver's all summer on the sly burton ellis's handsome boyish face flushed darkly crimson to the roots of his curly black hair something in the father's tone roused anger and rebellion in the son he straightened himself up from the turnip row he was hoeing looked his father squarely in the face and said quietly not on the sly sir i never do things that way but i have been going to see madge oliver for some time and we are engaged we are thinking of being married this fall and we hope you will not object burton's frankness nearly took away his father's breath old john fairly choked with rage you young fool he sputtered bringing down his hoe with such energy that he sliced off half a dozen of his finest young turnip plants have you gone clean crazy no sir i'll never consent to your marrying an oliver and you needn't have any idea that i will then i'll marry her without your consent retorted burton angrily losing the temper he had been trying to keep oh will you indeed well if you do out you go and not a cent of my money or a rod of my land do you ever get what have you got against madge asked burton forcing himself to speak calmly for he knew his father too well to doubt for a minute that he meant and would do just what he said she's an oliver said john crustily and that's enough and considering that he had settled the matter john ellis threw down his hoe and left the field in a towering rage burton hoed away savagely until his anger had spent itself on the weeds give up madge dear sweet little madge not he Yet if his father remained of the same mind, their marriage was out of the question at present, and Burton knew quite well that his father would remain of the same mind. Old John Ellis had the reputation of being the most contrary man in Greenwood. When Burton had finished his row, he left the turnip field and went straight across lots to see Madge and tell her his dismal story. An hour later, Miss Susan Oliver went up the stairs of her little brown house to Madge's room and found her niece lying on the bed her pretty curls tumbled her soft cheeks flushed crimson crying as if her heart would break miss susan was a tall grim angular spinster who looked like the last person in the world to whom a love affair might be confided but never were appearances more deceptive than in this case behind her unprepossessing exterior miss susan had a warm sympathetic heart filled to the brim with kindly affection for her pretty niece she had seen burton ellis going moodily across the fields homeward and guessed that something had gone wrong now dearie what is the matter she said tenderly patting the brown head madge sobbed out the whole story disconsolately burton's father would not let him marry her because she was an oliver and oh what would she do don't worry madge said susan comfortingly i'll soon settle old john ellis why what can you do asked madge forlornly miss susan squared her shoulders and looked amused you'll see 
I know old John Ellis better than he knows himself. He is the most contrary man the Lord ever made. I went to school with him. I learned how to manage him then, and I haven't forgotten how. I'm going straight up to interview him. Are you sure that'll do any good? said Madge doubtfully. If you go to him and take Burton's and my part, won't it only make him worse? Madge, dear, said Miss Susan, busily twisting her scanty iron-grey hair up into a hard little knot at the back of her head before Madge's glass. You just wait. I'm not young, and I'm not pretty, and I'm not in love. But I've more gumption than you and Burton have, or ever will have. You keep your eyes open and see if you can learn something. You'll need it if you go up to live with old John Ellis. Burton had returned to the turnip field, but old John Ellis was taking his ease with a rampant political newspaper on the cool veranda of his house, looking up from a bitter editorial to chuckle over a cutting sarcasm contained therein. He saw a tall, angular figure coming up the lane with aggressiveness writ large in every fold and flutter of shawl and skirt. Old Susan Oliver, as sure as a gun, said John with another chuckle. She looks mad clean through. I suppose she's coming here to blow me up for refusing to let Burton take that girl of hers. She's been angling and scheming for it for years, but she will find who she has to deal with. Come on, Miss Susan. John Ellis laid down his paper and stood up with a sarcastic smile. Miss Susan reached the steps and skimmed undauntedly up them. She did indeed look angry and disturbed. Without any preliminary greeting, she burst out into a tirade that simply took away her complacent foe's breath. Look here, John Ellis, I want to know what this means. I've discovered that that young upstart of a son of yours, who ought to be in short trousers yet, has been courting my niece Madge Oliver all summer. He has had the impudence to tell me that he wants to marry her. I won't have it, I tell you. And you can tell your son so. Marry my niece, indeed. A pretty pass the world is coming to. I'll never consent to it. Perhaps if you had searched Greenwood and all the adjacent districts thoroughly, you might have found a man who was more astonished and taken aback than old John Ellis was at that moment, but I doubt it. The wind was completely taken out of his sails, and every bit of the Ellis contrariness was roused. "'What have you got to say against my son?' he fairly shouted in his rage. "'Isn't he good enough for your girl, Susan Oliver? I'd like to know.' "'No, he isn't,' retorted Miss Susan, deliberately, unflinchingly. "'He's well enough in his place. "'But you'll please to remember, John Ellis, that my niece is an Oliver, "'and the Olivers don't marry beneath them.' "'Old John was furious. "'Beneath them, indeed! "'Why, woman, it is condescension in my son to so much as look at your niece. "'Condescension, that is what it is. "'You are as poor as church mice.' "'We come of good family, though,' retorted Miss Susan. "'You Alice's are nobodies. Your grandfather was a hired man, and yet you have the presumption to think you're fit to marry into an old, respectable family like the Olivers. But talking doesn't signify. I simply won't allow this nonsense to go on. I came here today to tell you so plump and plain. It's your duty to stop it. If you don't, I will. That's all.' "'Oh, will you?' John Ellis was at a white heat of rage and stubbornness now. We'll see, Miss Susan, we'll see. My son shall marry whatever girl he pleases, and I'll back him up in it. Do you hear that? Come here and tell me my son isn't good enough for your niece indeed. I'll show you he can get her anyway. You've heard what I've said, was the answer, and you'd better go by it. That's all. I shan't stay to bandy words with you, John Ellis. 
i'm going home to talk to my niece and tell her her plain duty and what i want her to do and she'll do it i haven't a fear miss susan was halfway down the steps but john ellis ran to the railing of the veranda to get the last word i'll send burton down this evening to talk to her and tell her what he wants her to do and we'll see whether she'll sooner listen to you than to him he shouted miss susan deigned no reply old john strode out to the turnip field burton saw him coming and looked for another outburst of wrath but his father's first words almost took away his breath see here bert i take back all i said this afternoon i want you to marry madge oliver now and the sooner the better that old cat of a susan had the face to come up and tell me you weren't good enough for her niece i told her a few plain truths don't you mind that old crosspatch i'll back you up by this time burton had begun hoeing vigorously to hide the amused twinkle of comprehension in his eyes he admired miss susan's tactics but he didn't say so all right father he answered dutifully when miss susan reached home she told madge to bathe her eyes and put on her new pink muslin because she guessed burton would be down that evening oh auntie how did you manage it cried madge madge said miss susan solemnly but with dancing eyes do you know how to drive a pig just try to make it go in the opposite direction and it will bolt the way you want it remember that my dear end of by the rule of contrary recording by noel badrian county offaly ireland